Welcome to the Side Hustle to Small Business podcast powered by Hiscox. I'm your host, Sanjay Parekh. Throughout my career, I've had side hustles, some of which have turned into real businesses. But first and foremost, I'm a serial technology entrepreneur. In the creator space, we hear plenty of advice on how to hustle harder and why you can sleep when you're dead. On this show, we ask new questions in hopes of getting new answers. Questions like, how can small businesses work smarter? How do you achieve balance between work and family? How can we redefine success in our businesses so that we don't burn out after year three? Every week, I sit down with business founders at various stages of their side hustle to small business journey. These entrepreneurs are pushing the envelope while keeping their values. Keep listening for conversation, context, and camaraderie. Today's guest is Ford Gunter, the founder of Easy Morning Media, a full-service video production company based in Houston, Texas. With a background in print media and filmmaking, Ford founded Easy Morning Media in 2015. Ford, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me. So I'm excited to have you on because uh, I don't often get to talk to people that also do kind of the same things that we do um, with this podcast. So uh, I'm sure you'll tell me like all the things that we're doing wrong uh, with this video, but uh, we'll, we'll leave that for the end, uh, the, the advice that you have for us. But before we get into all of that, give us like a two minute background on you and how you got to where you are right now. Uh, yeah, so I um, Houston native, born and raised. I lived elsewhere for college and, and my 20s, came back. Um, I had a good friend, my best friend, who would always kind of say, let's make a movie. We should make a movie. He was into filmmaking um, and, and I wasn't. And uh, I was in print journalism. After a while, I found my way to print journalism. And, um, and then one day after enough beers, I was like, all right, fine. Like, let's make a movie. What do you got? And so we started making a documentary together. Uh, and it was a, a fantastic experience. We actually, we started in 2008 making some shorts and then, uh, we started a documentary, a feature length documentary, uh, which took us like two, two and a half years. It came out officially in 2012. Um, and during that time I quit my print journalism job to, uh, to focus on the documentary. And then when that was all over, I had kind of acquired some skills and some equipment and I did not want to go back to journalism. And we had been just getting offers like, hey, can you guys shoot this or can you edit that? And so I worked my way into freelance video from that. The project actually burned out my, my buddy and he was like, I'm getting the hell away from video, um, which he's back now. Just FYI, he is back. Um, but yeah, so I started doing my own stuff uh, on the side, um, you know, probably 2010 ish. And uh, I incorporated in 2015, uh, about, uh, so I kind of became official. And But I've been doing it full-time, uh, you know, since then. Yeah. So is this the first time that you've done anything entrepreneurial? Or, like, as a kid, did you do anything hustling, <laughs> entrepreneurial? You're laughing, my, so I think the answer is yes. Yeah, well, my mom would be upset if I didn't. I started a neighborhood newspaper when I was, like, eight, Uh and it was called the Stanmore Standard because we lived on Stanmore. And I sold like printed copies, you know, where you like rip off the sides of the printer paper. Um, it was like a monthly, I think. And it was just like the neighborhood news, you know, who had a baby, who moved, all that, who, who got a new dog. And I, we'd go door to door, me and my buddy, and we'd knock and we'd sell subscriptions. And then we'd, uh, we'd go deliver the papers like once a month. But uh, other than that, no. <laughs> so uh, for listeners that don't know the ripping off the side paper, uh, that yeah. dot matrix printers uh, from a very, very long time ago that were very painful 
Uh, I'm sure most of our listeners, the ones that know it are like glad that those are gone. The ones that don't are like, what is, what is yeah, the noise thing? that it would make as we were like printing off our five page yep. newspaper for like 25 houses. Just I'm sure my parents were like, oh my God. <laughs> so I got to ask, what was a subscription cost? Do you remember? I don't remember what the subscription cost was, but it was 25 cents an issue. We, we had a pretty healthy okay. profit margin on that. Um, considering we had no overhead, <laughs> our parents just bought all the stuff. Or they already the, had the they, stuff. they bought the paper, the the printer, uh, yeah, ribbon, the Apple IIe was already in the house. <laughs> what, what was it? An Apple IIe? Apple IIe, yeah. Wow, nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I my first computer was a TI ninety nine four A, but my second was an Apple IIc. Okay. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I I remember those days quite well. Um, <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I, I, I love it. Uh, and I think that probably just um, kind of predicted that you were going to go into print journalism there too, right? Yeah, yeah. That was when I went back. So I, I went back to grad school uh, a couple of years, you know, several years after graduating and um, to UT to study journalism. I'd been freelance writing for a while. Uh, but yeah, when I went back, my, my parents were like, well, obviously, I mean, you've been wanting to do this your whole life. So, <laughs> and I loved it. It was a great experience. I, I did find over time uh, that I, I just really did not like working for, there were a lot of things about working for someone else or working for a big company that I did not like and yeah. uh, that I found frustrating and I, I butted up against. And uh, so, it, you know, I think my buddy actually with the, with the come make a movie with me really kind of threw me a lifeline to get out of yeah. there. Cause I don't know if I would have just done it on my own. Yeah. Was there, um, was there anybody in the family that was an entrepreneur or a journalist? Like, where did you get, like, no. I don't know a lot of kids that are like, I'm going to start a newspaper uh, <laughs> when they were that young. So where did that come from? Uh, yeah, it's a good question. I don't know. Um, I was a, a voracious reader when I was a kid. Nice. Uh, loved, loved books. Uh, I loved reading like the Sunday funnies and then later like the whole newspaper. Um, I kind of had a weird, like, FOMO. I felt like if I didn't read the whole newspaper or at least like acknowledge what every story was about, then I was going to like be missing something. Yeah. Um, so that, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. I didn't see it coming. I didn't study it in undergrad. I didn't, uh, I didn't like take to it in high school. I wasn't like in the yearbook or, or the school newspaper or anything like that. Um, That's so funny. Yeah. That's yeah. so funny. Um, I think it was basically telling stories, which is, yeah. you know, kind of dovetailed nicely into to the video work. Um, right. I just loved stories and I loved listening, see, you know, receiving stories and, and giving them. Yeah. So uh, let's uh, switch gears since you kind of mentioned that, uh, into that. So in starting the business, um, first time really starting a company, it sounds like nobody in the family had started companies before. No, no, my dad uh, worked for the same company his entire adult life. Yeah, so he, he got a job out of out of law school, and he worked for the same law firm his entire life. Wow, that is incredible too. Like you don't see that that often no. uh, nowadays. Um, okay, so was there anything that made you nervous about starting a company? And like, were there things that you didn't know that you figured out? Like, how did you manage your way through all of that? Uh, there were definitely a lot of things I didn't know. Most of the stuff I didn't know, and I, I'm still learning. Um, but no, not really, because you know it's like one of those things where it was kind of a jumping in the deep end and you, you just got to swim. You don't really have time to get nervous. You just got to swim. <laughs> and I think that if I hadn't really severed my lifeline to like a nine to five life, then um, I, I don't know if I would have been able to do it. So I just, you know, it was 
it was early 2010, 2011. We were still do, working on the movie. So I had like energy to put elsewhere, but like once right. the movie was over and like the festival, the promotion and all that stuff was over. I was like, well, I, you know, I've got to, I got to start earning money. I need to do something. Um, yeah. And I, I do have my, my same friend um, also had, he's had a business on the side that was kind of in trouble. Uh, he, it was kind of mismanaged for, for a while. And he was like, well, if you're not doing anything, like I can pay you this base amount, which was pretty base, but he's like, just come in and help me with this. So I did have like a little bit of a safety net, which was really nice. And I also had the freedom to then take my time building my own business. And, and I didn't need to get jobs like every day or every week. I mean, the nice thing about the film business, which I'm sure you know, is that like, if you get a job, it, because it, the costs are, are, you know, the day rates are decent. Like if you get a job, one job a week, that's, you know, you, you can pay the bills on one job a week. Right. Um, and you can also do a lot of it in your spare time, your free time. Um, yeah. So I kind of, that, that worked well with my schedule at the time. It was a lot of really good fortuitous timing. Um, yeah. And now I'm a partner in the other business that I mentioned with my, my friend. So like, okay. I've learned a lot from him and from, from my work with him and his work before I arrived in that, that situation. Right. Um, with building my own thing. So, yeah. I forgot to ask earlier, what happened with that documentary then uh, that you ended up kind of launching you into this? Well, we finished it, which was great. Um, apparently, there's some statistic that like 95% of films that start never finish. So we really? finished it. Um, you know, we didn't have the success festival wise that we were hoping for, which I think is probably another 95% statistic. But um, <laughs> we're very proud of it. Uh, it was on some streamers for a while. We did get a note like a year ago that's like, hey, we're moving these from our platform you have full rights back and all that stuff but it was on amazon prime and apple and, and all that stuff oh, for nice. a while so it was available for download um the people we made it about were were very happy with it it was about a houston art scene um and so yeah we're we're very happy with it i'd love to do another one at some point um been kicking the tires on some but it's interesting with the streaming now and the explosion of content like every story that could be a documentary somebody already owns the rights to and and like these there's like these clearing yeah. houses that just snap up all the rights and buy all the rights and like like texas monthly magazine for example has like a an exclusive deal with like a one one production company that's like we get first look at everything that comes out of your magazine so anything that's in texas wow. monthly is like off limits for anyone like me it's just and it, that's like it's like that across the board and self-published books on amazon anything it's, it's frustrating. so interesting. And is it, do you think they do that because they get revenue obviously for giving those, those first looks is, is that because it's just the way the print business is and they need these sources of revenue or, or why is it that they're doing that? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I don't think they have anything to lose. It's like, Oh, if, uh, you know, if, if HBO max or if their documentary wing wants to like pay us a retainer basically to have a first look at anything, and then maybe we get like one movie produced every two years. And with Texas Monthly, they, they get more because they they churn out some great stuff. But right, you know, then it's it, it's like a no lose for them. It elevates their profile. It gives them some extra cash that they didn't have. It's a brand new element of their business. Huh. Interesting. I've never heard about this kind of aspect of of journalism or, or media that's happening. So I, you know, I mean, I chased a story that was, that I first found on the podcast and I, he goes, every story we do is, is we, the rights are already spoken for. <clears throat> wow. 
fascinating. Yeah. Um, and this is why I love talking to entrepreneurs because you learn about so many things that you would never know about. Support for this podcast comes from Hiscox, committed to helping small businesses protect their dreams since 1901. Quotes and information on customized insurance for specific risks are available at Hiscox.com. Hiscox, the business insurance experts. Okay, so let's switch gears a little bit and talk about um, the stress of owning a business. Uh, your business, it's just you. Um, so you're kind of the whole kit and caboodle um, and life. And I know you've had some life changes recently. So talk about that. Um, yeah, I mean, it is, it's, there's a lot of stress involved. Um, but, you know, I, I just can't, I want to reiterate that, like, it, it really works well for me and my personality. So I'm, I've been happy the whole way. I've been very satisfied the whole way. Um, I think also the, so I, the life change you mentioned is my wife and I just had our first child, um, like seven weeks ago. Um, we have both, I mean, my wife has a full-time job, but she's been working at home since the pandemic. And, um, and then, you know, as she was pregnant and now she's on maternity leave. So our schedules both work very well with like raising an infant in the house right now. Um, but I do still get called away on work and it's, it's a stressful, you know, a couple hours. I had to go to Arizona when the baby was like less than a month old and I was gone for three days. And that was, that's a lot for, for a, a first time new mom to handle, um, so, and at that point, it's like 10% of the kid's uh, life. Right? Yeah, I know. Three days out of 30. I know. It's crazy. I felt like I missed out on a lot. Um, but it's, um, so we do, you know, I mean, I have a teammate at home. I have like a support system at home that, that is there basically all the time to, to help me if I need to like be somewhere or I need to do something or if I just need some time to, to record a podcast interview or something like that, you know, um, so it's, it's been nice. I am by myself in the business, but we do kind of act like a family business. I mean, she helps me on stuff. She takes looks at edits and I keep begging her to do my social media stuff, but it's, <laughs> I, I I'm alone officially as far as like the IRS is concerned. Um, right. I also have a really good friend of mine that I've worked with for a long, long time um, who edits a lot of the stuff and shoots a lot of the stuff with me. He's not an employee. I pay him as a freelance contractor. Right. Like we've known each other and worked together for 15 years. So I, I feel like I have, uh, I have people I can trust that, that are yeah. in support. Yeah. And I think that's a, a common thread with a lot of entrepreneurs. You might be alone technically in the business, but you always have help, uh, be it a spouse, a family member, a friend, uh, kids. Sometimes my kids have gotten involved in, in my ventures as well. And, uh, they still remember to this day, some of the things that they've done for me crazy things that I just needed to get done. I look forward uh, to that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's good. Um, you know, if, if I knew then what I know now about how useful kids are in getting other things done, especially offloading for me, the it tech support that I have to do for family members, man, I would have had kids way earlier. Um, yeah. it's, it's just, it's incredible. Oh, you um, must be the, like the go-to guy for like, how do I get my phone to do this or something? <laughs> I, I am a lot of times, but honestly, the kids are now a little bit, not a little bit, a lot better than I am. Um, I'm been purely Android. I've been non-Apple my entire life. Uh, and the kids, even though they only have Androids, they understand Apple and they know how to do things on their own. Like, I don't, I, you just gave me like a big block of, of nothing. Like I can't do anything with these, these iPhones. So, <laughs> 
Uh, it's just fascinating. You can just see how uh, obsolete you're getting over time when you oh, have yeah, kids. I'm sure like, not oh. more than ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, so okay, let's uh, talk about uh, kind of the balance, uh, kind of work-life balance as well. We talked about stress. Uh, you've got the support system. Um, how do you think about that work-life balance? Because, you know, the things that we do very easily could consume all of it, like all the time, you know, waking, sleeping, everything. Uh, it can't really, when you have kids that, that have demands, they don't care about your work. Um, so how do you think about that and how do you manage that and juggle that for yourself? Well, I don't, I don't think I'm, I'm like a, I don't, I, I don't think, I don't see myself as, as like a typical entrepreneur in the sense that like, you're just driven to succeed at all costs. And, you know, I, I love not working. I love hanging out with my family and I, we, I'm very close to my family. I'm very close to my brother. I've got a big group of friends. Um, you know, I love to travel. And so I'm not, uh, I'm not just chained or tethered to success and, and maximizing and that's to my detriment in a lot of ways. Uh, but it, it definitely helps with the, as far as like the work life balance is concerned. Um, I, I can, I can stay sane and I can stay satisfied, um, without trying to be like the biggest and the best and the, and the strongest and the, the richest. Right. But I imagine that approach probably makes you a better vendor for the people, your partner that for the people that you're working with, because you're focused on that and not the next big thing, right? Yeah, I mean, to be perfectly honest with you, I think most of my business, I mean, I, I know most of my business comes from referrals and word of mouth. And I think that I'm easy to work with. I think, I mean, I, I get told all the time that we pr we provide like a very relaxed, laid back atmosphere, um, you know, during pre-production, production and post. And, um, and I, I just, you know, it's a, it's a huge deal as far as like a small business where you're relying on a bunch of different clients who hire you as a contractor. Um, if you can just be nice and pleasant and easy to work with and not be a pain in anybody's rear, then, then I think, um, I think that just goes such a long way for you. And so my wife will laugh. Like I get, I get called laid back all the time. I've been called laid back my whole life. She's like, you know, I, I've realized now you're not exactly as laid back as everybody thinks, but I mean, you know, under my own house, under my own roof. Uh, but yeah, I just, I think that that uh, my uh, kind of, I, I wouldn't say I'm not type A, but I'm not the classic type A. And I think that provides uh, something the clients appreciate. Yeah. Uh, detail oriented, going to get it done, but not going to be uh, stressed to them about it. Um, I think there's a lesson in there because I think that's the kind of person that we all want to work with. Right. I, I know it's going to be good, but I know it's not going to be a stress on me. That's and also it's, uh, you know, with, with what I do, we're putting people on camera and uh, almost always it's, or a lot of the times, especially with new clients, it's people who aren't used to being on camera. So if you <laughs> can provide like a relaxed atmosphere where they feel good about their experience and they feel yeah. good about themselves afterwards, which we hear all the time, you know, that, that is huge. And I have my kind of my biggest client over the years who I've fortunately, uh, a lot as their, uh, people have spread out to other companies, I've like gone with them. Uh, so I don't do as much work for this particular client, but 
you know, she's, she's on shark tank and she's, she's in front of, she's used to all of this glitz and glam, but like right. early on when I started working with her, they just liked the way that we operated. They liked, she liked the way we ran the set and it made everybody feel comfortable. Yeah. And, you know, so, and they've stuck with us because of that. I mean, they could yeah. certainly afford, you know, flashier and bigger production houses to do their stuff. Right. Hey, there's something to be said about building those relationships and making people feel comfortable. Um, I mean, there's going to be problems. There's always problems and no, nothing's ever perfect. Um, but it's how you handle all of that stuff that I think, uh, builds that relationship and that trust, uh, going forward. Um, okay. So let's, let's talk about an area that I know is probably going to be tough, maybe, um, sleep, uh, and wellness. <laughs> like how do you manage that? Uh, especially with a, a newborn in the house, uh, in general yeah. at all. So, um, I, um, before the baby, I was, I could like, I was pretty good at cranking out edits like late at night. I could, I could work into the night if I needed to, I don't prefer to, but I could, um, post baby, um, you know, the work has, I've kind of been able to just shift some of the work schedule around to where I'm not super busy, but then there's other times where I just, I'm like, I got to take this job. I got to, you know, I need to do it and we got to keep earning. Um, so you know, really it's, it's just the support. It's, it's my wife, it's the tag team. She's on maternity leave. She's still doing some work, uh, for her company, but like she's home. Uh, we have in-laws on both sides that are in town, which is a huge help. Um, so sleep wise, um, I've learned to take naps. I have gotten really good at going back to sleep. When I wake up in the middle of the night, I, I've been a poor sleeper for a long time. And, uh, that I've kind of gotten back to being a good sleeper, which is pretty remarkable. Um, you know, so I typically, I wake up about four or five with the baby and then I wake, we both do. And then I wake up again, at like eight with the baby. Um, and I'm able to go back down like, like that. Uh, so that's, that's pretty. And I also, when my wife wakes up to pump or to breastfeed, um, well to pump, you know, uh, on those, not those time slots, uh, I don't even budge. I don't hear her. I've, I've kind of gotten used to not things to go bump in the night. Don't really bother me anymore. Yeah. It's, it's amazing what, um, and I was like you, uh, it's a, but it's amazing what baby induced uh, sleep deprivation will change and fix in your sleeping habits. Um, I I'm definitely a more of a restful sleeper now, and it's been many, many years now since we've been in that, that zone that you're in right now. Um, it's a different kind of exhaustion. It is. It's it, and it, and it's an exhaustion that you appreciate afterwards. Uh, you don't necessarily appreciate when you're in it, uh, but you look back fondly uh, many years later. Just trust me; it, yeah. it, it, it'll come for you at some point. I'll hold you to that. <laughs> we'll come back in season twelve and, and discuss. <laughs> um, so let's talk about something that's kind of related to this uh, exercise routine. Do you have an exercise routine? Do you still have an exercise routine? I don't in the last eight weeks. I, I don't need more. Um, I uh, yoga and tennis are are my two uh, real outlets. Um, I, I love playing tennis. I love the one on one, and I love the competitive outlet. I, I need that. Um, it's hard, and, and it's you know I, you know with anybody who exercises, like once you drop off, it's it's just you feel terrible getting back in because you yep. feel like you've lost so much ground. Um, and the other thing is, you know, with a with a baby, like like I was never a big drinker um, as far as like every day of the week, and right. you know now it's like 
Whew. That was a tough day. I could, I could have some mezcal while I watched the Astros or something like that, you know? And it's like, I never used to do that. Now I'm like, you know, at least a drink a day. And, um, <laughs> and that makes it even harder to get back into the exercise. It does. Yeah. Um, I'm still playing some tennis. I haven't gotten back into the yoga yet. Um, but I, I will, I will at some point, hopefully pretty soon. Um, it, we had a, a, just, I'm sure you guys heard, but just an unbearably hot summer in Texas, which helped with the not missing exercise as much. Right. Um, but, uh, I'm carrying around some winter weight that I'd, I'd like to get rid of <laughs> before yeah. the winter. Yeah. No, no thoughts on taking up pickleball if you're doing tennis. Oh gosh. You know, I've played, I've played a fair amount of pickleball. Um, there's, there's a, some courts like near where my mom lives that, that have like a lot of kind of like casual pickup games. Yeah. It's great for like casual pickup games. I'm not ever going to get serious about it. Um, <laughs> and I, I, I can't help but laugh at some of the tennis versus pickleball memes that I come across. <laughs> they are pretty funny. I, I personally, I do play every now and again, pickleball. Uh, it's fun. Never... It's a great, it's a great equalizer. Cause you can tennis, like, if somebody's not near you and skill level, it's not fun. It's not yeah. productive and it's just, it's not worth getting sweaty over. Uh, yeah. But pickleball, you know, you can really play with like a, an advanced player, a beginner and two yep. intermediates and have a great time. So right. I, I get it. I like the, I, I'm I'm not anti pickleball by any means. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely in the negative skill arena for tennis. Um, <laughs> so that puts me in the, like, you know, somewhat neutral for pickleball. So it, pickleball ends up being a little bit more fun for me because I don't feel like, well, every ball is going outside of the court, not just outside of the court, but over the fence outside right. the court. Um, well, and there's some, with the, with the way the ball is weighted, like there can be some fantastic points, you know, just right. some like stabs and slams and you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And then, you know, <laughs> you look around and the other courts saw that point and it's, yeah. it can be really fun. You don't get that in tennis unless it's like two very equal players. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, okay. Let's, let's uh, get back to business talking. Uh, <laughs> otherwise people are going to think that this is the tennis versus pickleball uh, podcast, which is, it is not, <laughs> it could be though. Yes. Um so thinking about like your time in starting and doing all of this, um, is there something that you think about like, man, if I could go back in time, this is the thing that I would do differently. Mm. I mean, I would probably just try to do what I did faster. I would probably just, just acknowledge that I am now a freelance videographer and roll with that. Um, cause I did, I actually maintained a freelance writing. I, I did freelance writing for a while afterwards as well, just for income. Um, you know, it mean my, my progression was a little bit slow because you do have to kind of procure some equipment. I had some left over from the documentary, but like you're always upgrading your equipment. And so it's, it can be expensive. You know, you got to buy a new computer every couple of years and got to keep up with the cameras and all the technology. Um, so I was somewhat limited by how fast I could jump in, but, but I think just, just accepting that like, this is what I'm going to do. This is how I want to build my business and then just doing it rather than just kind of floating with the tide of where my life was, was generally going. Do you feel like, um, so capital obviously was a constraint to making it go faster, but what was the other thing? Was it just your mentality, or like the acceptance of it? What, what was holding you back on that side? just the, that's where I should be more type A or I would be better served to be more type A. It was, it was just kind of my own like complacency. And, uh, and I think just, it, it was just a kind of a, 
uh, it was a cover for, for like, you know, for fear, like, well, shoot, I don't know if, um, I don't know if this is really what I want to do. Just kind of a lot of like hand wringing and stuff when I, I was already doing it, I should have just accepted it and I should have just moved in with it. Um, and, and really gone gung ho. And I think that with that, I would have been better at selling myself, um, which probably would have opened up my client book a little bit earlier. Yeah. Do you feel like ever falling into that trap again of being afraid or uh, doubting yourself or doing any of those things? And if, if so, like, how do you, how do you handle that now? I mean, sure. I, I have those fears. Every time we, I sit down to like edit something I've shot or every time we like rap on a shoot, I'm like, Oh my God, do we, do we get it? Do we, is it going to look, is it, is there going to be any technical problems? But I mean, I, you know, I do love telling stories and I love it when a story comes together in every project, especially the ones that I edit, there's like a moment where like everything kind of starts to fall into place and you can see the puzzle coming together. And, and then you pick up, I pick up the momentum and I, I just, I love, and I'm like, oh, this thing is really clicking. This thing is really, and then I'm, so the, the work kind of reinforces the, the, it, it, the work kind of, uh, runs counter to the natural insecurities and, and right. like the product ends up, you know, I mean, I, I do, I like everything I turn out. There's not one thing. I mean, sure. There's like aspects of things that I've put out that I'm like, yeah, that could have been better. And early on it's like, Ooh, that, that camera is rough, but like just the crafting of the story and the narrative, you know, the, I specialize in, in, like corporate video for a lack of a better term. And, but like everything we do is like a mini documentary. It's like a, a two to seven to eight minute documentary on like some story, some company right. story, some person in the company story, some venture of, that the company is partaking in there, that story. And we shoot them documentary style. We edit them, they come out and they're just, they're just little miniature stories. And I just, I love it. And if, if I can make a senior housing development in Austin look like an exciting and cool place to, to be where I'm like, man, that's, that's really cool. They've got pickleball courts for people, you know, <laughs> but then I can, if I can get jazz, cause my, a lot of my clients aren't the most exciting or interesting things in the world, but like they, everybody's right. got something interesting. And if I can, I just really get off on helping, like get that part out. Right. Thinking back to all the times where you've done these stories and you're like, man, that could have been better have clients ever pointed to that same thing and said like, Oh, that could have been better. Or is that only you? No, not to me in particular. That's not to say that they haven't thought that. Um, and I, I've had one time clients, I've had clients that I know will never come back. You know, um, I, I, not every experience has been a great experience. Yeah. Um, and I know that, that I've had clients that have left unsatisfied. Now those are also the projects that I have left unsatisfied from. Yeah. And I've been like, I'm, I wouldn't take that call again because yeah. it just, we didn't have a good working experience. We didn't, right. their system didn't jive with my system. And, yeah. you know, uh, but really, I mean, I've been fortunate with that. I've, most of my clients come back. Um, I'm really only thinking of one in particular that, that I know we'll never see again, nor do I want to, but you know, it's, um, it, it's, you can tell by, by kind of what we promote, what I put on the website, what I put on Instagram. Yeah. Those are the ones I'm proud of. Those are the ones I love and and I, I need to be better about it, but I do end up trying to put something from every client out there every time we do something. Yeah. And I think equally important is knowing that you've got clients that are coming back is knowing the clients that you're not a good fit with that you don't want back as well. Fire yeah. clients 
it feels like a, a strange thing to ever talk about as a founder and you're trying to start up and everything, but firing clients is a good thing sometimes. Yeah. Is, not that they're a bad client, they're just not a good fit um, mm -hmm. with you. And they, they just need to find somebody else that they're a better fit with. And I've put out proposals too, where, you know, somebody's asked me for a bid and I put out a proposal and I'm like, I'm not going to be torn up if they don't follow up with me on this. Yeah. And, yeah. and I'm, you know, I'm not. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Um, okay. So uh, two questions, two last questions for you. Um, one, what would you tell somebody who was thinking about taking that leap like you did um, kind of starting a side hustle, side hustle-ish thing that you did and making it in full-time venture? That's the first question. So for the side hustle, like starting one and then transitioning it into your full-time gig, I mean, yeah. I, the biggest thing I would say is to keep that safety net as long as you possibly can. Um, but then when it's time to cut it, you, it's time to cut it. You got to just, you got to take the leap at some point. You can, right. you can teeter out and, you know, tiptoe out on the edge of the cliff for as long as possible. Keep your, your nine to five income coming as long as possible. Keep that health insurance coming as long as possible, but eventually you're going to have to jump and, and nobody can really tell you when that is. Um, you know, you'll figure it out for yourself and you probably won't do it at the exact right time, but there will be a time where you just have to, to make the commitment that this is, this is it for me. And this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. Um, I love that. Um, that. That is great advice. Okay, so uh, the most important question that I kind of talked about at the beginning of the the, the uh, episode: What advice do you have for folks that are trying to shoot video or tell stories, and the things that you see them mess up? And like, there are just one or two things that they could do if they just fix those things. Man, people would be making just much better video and stories out there. I don't know. I might want to keep that to myself. <laughs> no, I. Uh... I mean, the, the truth is people are making great stuff all the time with, with social media and with like Instagram reels and, and things like that. I mean, there's, there's stuff on there when I see it, I'm like, Oh gosh, you know, is this, is this what I'm competing against? Is this what I'm, <laughs> is this the pond I'm swimming in? Um, but you know, I, I think that you gotta just, if you're going to be a storyteller of any kind, you got to tell a story that, it kind of in your own way. And it, I know it's, it's kind of cliche, but like there's a million and a half storytellers in, in three square miles of where I sit right now. And you yeah. in Atlanta, you know, there's, uh, uh, there's with Marvel studios in town. I mean, there's storytellers yeah. out the, so you, you have to find a voice and you got to figure out a way to make your voice come through and, and, you know, hope that your voice finds its audience. Um, we have a style. I have a, uh, a kind of a vibe and, and I, the, the projects that are frustrating and that don't really work out the way I'm as proud of as the other ones are the ones where like, for whatever reason, my vibe and my voice isn't able to come through. It's stifled. And sometimes maybe that's my fault in pre-production. Sometimes it's just like a, look, I got to, my friend needs help and I got to help him with this and we're just going to do it and we're going to hope for the best. But it, if you, you got to find your voice. You got to tell the story in your voice. You got to have your own style because there's so many other people out there doing the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that is great advice. Uh, I think you're right. A lot of people try to be a fake, you know, be like somebody else instead of their own. And, and you can tell that in inauthenticity, if that's the word. Yeah. Yeah. For whatever, I mean, for all the other ways that our society is, 
is careening toward the abyss. Our, our BS detectors, I think, as far as like authenticity, and, and it sounds weird even coming out of my mouth for a lot of reasons, but like, I do think that to some degree, like people are so quick to be like, no, nah, that's not authentic. And that's not for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or this has been fantastic. Where can our listeners find and connect with you online? So, uh, easymorningmedia.com is the website. Uh, my Instagram is at easymorningmedia and at F gun, the letter F as in Ford and then G U N first three letters of my last name. Uh, I do a little bit of cross promotion on that. Um, and that's, yeah, that's it. I no Facebook. Oh, and LinkedIn. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. I think you can find me under Ford Gunner. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, uh, no Facebook and, uh, minimal Twitter. My, our Twitter is still the documentary handle, our car, the movie. Um, so if you want to, you want to go find out about that, we can mail you a DVD. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming on today. Thanks for having me. It was really nice to meet you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the side hustle to small business podcast powered by Hiscox. To learn more about how Hiscox can help protect your small business through intelligent insurance solutions, visit hiscox.com. That's H-I-S-C-O-X.com. And if you have a story you want to hear on this podcast, please visit hiscox.com slash share your story. I'm your host, Sanjay Parikh. You can find out more about me at my website, sanjayparikh.com.